Welcome to Inspired Surfers on Wavelength Community Radio in partnership with Jimmy's Iced Coffee. In this episode, Jim is in conversation with Rob Love. Rob is a serial entrepreneur that has always done things his own way, insisting that even his latest venture, tech company Crowdfunder, is based on the beach so that both he and his team can benefit from getting in the water as much as possible. Rob Love. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Very good, thanks. Yeah, really good. It's, it's, it's a cool name. It's a strong name. Yeah, you can't really avoid it. it. It it attracts comment often. Yeah, I think it's just it's just good. It's it's solid with my, with my I'm you know I'm Cregan and that's just one e. So people, some people go Cregan or or uh, what's it? Uh, Apple kind of uh, do automatic spell correct and it's Cretan. So J- James Cretan is how I sign off sometimes accidentally. So that's a that's a good start. Yeah, yeah, I get a lot of comments. Normally checking in in hotels when you book in for, you know, for love. Bob Love. Yeah. Hey, brilliant. <laughs> so how is, um, how, how is everything going during this time? Well, I'm sure everyone else you've spoken to said the same. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's, um, it's very strange, but it's quite good for entrepreneurs, isn't it? Because there's opportunities and there's lots of weird things going on that you can get your teeth into. So. I quite like it in some respects. I mean, you know, the the bad stuff aside, not a great time for lots of people. But um, if you're lucky enough to be busy at the moment, it's it, it's good, and we're very busy. That's awesome. I've, I've just actually had a little look on um, on Crowdfunder website, and there are so many projects that are up that are all focused around doing good at this particular point. The amount of people that are doing face masks and PPE and loads of other bits and pieces, and even like music venues trying to raise some money just for their staff and other stuff to keep going. I, the, the amount of good that's coming out of it is, is actually incredible. Yeah. Well, I think we're really lucky. I mean, we, we sort of um, live in the limelight of, of everyone else's good efforts. So we're just the platform. We just enable people to do these things and it's sort of amazing what people do. Everyone comes together in a crisis. I think the UK is particularly good for that. I think we're better. I've had quite a few international conversations in the last few weeks. And um, they've all been quite complimentary how the community, the UK community comes together. So we're in, it's our finest hour, isn't it, when we're in, when we're in difficulties. So just watching it, it's brilliant. And I guess crowdfunding gets some of the glory, but it's not really us. It's all those people out there just picking up the the mantle and trying to make things happen for people in need it's it's amazing to watch so yeah but you, you just time. you've just you've just said that you're just a platform but like without you then there is no platform and it'll only go out through people's own personal social media or something like that so to be able to provide it it's it's a it's a huge stepping stone and a big and a big part of the thing and it sounds i mean you know you should be like really i mean you must be really proud of what you've done so far with it well, absolutely. I'm really proud of the team and proud of what we've done. But, um, you know, just just making sure that it's it's the people out there, it's the hundreds of thousands of people that are coming together and doing the good things that make it look so good. Um, but, yeah, we're really lucky to be able to do that. We didn't think it was going to be this. And it's turned into something that's not only a great business, it's uh, something that's hopefully making the world a slightly better place. So if we can make a small contribution, then that's that's great, isn't it? That's yeah, that's that's super cool. How do, how does um I mean for those who don't know what um crowdfunder is, are you able to just give us a a, a one sentence wonder? 
Uh, yeah, I'll try. Um, so we're the largest donation and rewards-based crowdfunding platform in the UK. Um, so we're just a, a dating service, a matchmaking service for good ideas and people to try and get them to come together um, and support the good ideas and get them off the ground, um, obviously through money, but but much, much more than that, you know, through support, through connecting people and trying to get these things started and if we can do that then then all's good and as far as i'm as far as i understand the way that it works is if i wanted to be part of a project i will pledge a certain amount of money and that will give me something back from that company as a a, in in terms of investing and getting money back in the future you actually you you might be buying future tickets or future meals for a restaurant that's going to be opening up or something like that is that right so so it's definitely not investment you know you're not buying shares in companies you're not um, it's not about debt. It's not about loaning money. People are making donations lots of the time, but they're also um, donating some money in in exchange um, of a reward. So rewards about rewards based crowdfunding, um, which we focus on, is is a value exchange of some kind. So somebody might say, "I'm going to do this project. I'm going to open this cafe, and if I do open this cafe in the future, then." Um, you know, I'll give you a meal when, when we open and, and, and doing that sort of transaction. So it's a little stronger than just donating. It's not just uh, having your hand out, but actually swapping things, which gives a massive edge to the whole dynamic, because really what you're doing is you're validating ideas. You're saying, if I'd start this business, this community enterprise of this kind, um, and I start making t-shirts would you actually buy one and you can find out before you've even started so that validation piece is you know about rewards is absolutely vital to what we do yeah and and taking a great deal of risk out of starting a company i guess because you you could i mean like with our ice coffee company we didn't have any of that prior we just i just went hell for leather with my sister on trying to get ice coffee brought to market without really knowing whether it was going to work or not so i guess it's a really nice thing having crowdfunder in place so that people can actually just at least test the market to see if people are interested because they will actually put money into something well well, exactly i mean i'm clearly biased but it's complete madness to me that you would start a a company certainly a business that was (laughs) aimed at consumers without testing it first and what what better way than to say if i'm going to do this let's crowdfund it would you buy in advance the products or services that i'm selling you know and the great thing about that is is that these people that start them are often you know turned down by banks they've done their business plan they've gone in the bank said no, or in reality, the computer said no. Yeah, but um, they've gone to crowdfunder, got the support of their family and friends to prove that it's a good idea, and people would actually pay for the stuff. And then they've gone back and need less money, but they may have five hundred or a thousand, you know, customers that end up being pretty loyal to them and start off their journey, which is is great. So. As I say, I'm pretty biased, but why would you do it any other way? It's, it's yeah, crazy. it, it makes it makes perfect sense. How long has it been going on for? So seven years, 2013, just the start of the year was when we started to think this might be something in it. You know, we'd been doing a little bit before then, but seven years um, really in terms of um, the company. I guess if this was around when we when we launched, which was nearly 10 years ago now, I think we would have definitely had a had a had a dip a toe in the water to see if we could have got any traction. So, if, you know, for anyone that is wanting to start companies, um, this is certainly a, an interesting place to test the water at least. 
De- definitely. And, and more so over the seven years, I say, I was going to say over the years as if it's been a long time, but in recent times, you know, more existing companies are coming back on and as they expand, they can test new products and new ideas. Mm. So it doesn't just have to be startups. And of course, in the current climate, we're, we're helping companies who are in real dire straits to carry on trading with our pay it forward model mm-hmm. um, to try and keep in touch with their customers and to try and keep doing things, you know, in the crisis. So it's open to everybody. It's not just startups anymore. It's moved on considerably. That's really cool. I mean, even actually just, that's just got my head ringing about certain products that we've, that we're doing. So we, we just launched a, a new coffee cola, for example, and just being able to test that on your platform, it would be a really good idea. You're so right. It doesn't have to be just a startup for a whole business. It could just be a new product or a new service within a particular company that already exists. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's where it's going to develop. Um, there's more and more of that, but I think there's a, a lot more that could be done. You know, if you've got three different flavors of a drink, for instance, why not put them all up, see which ones are the most popular um, and you'll get pre-sales. You know, you're not, it's not voting. It's not people just saying, um, you know, here you go, which one of these do you like? That's not really much of a commitment. It's actually saying, what, which one would you pay for? So it gives you much better market research. In a way, what we've built with Crowdfunder, now we've got the scale we have, which is, you know, grown and grown. It's one hell of an R&D machine for um, business. Yeah, do you know what? I haven't stupidly looked at it under that light. I mean, we use um, questionnaires and surveys and all that kind of stuff, but unless people are actually putting money where their mouth is, they could just be creating an answer on how they might be feeling that particular day. Do you know what I mean? Like someone can yes. say, oh, what do you think of this product? And like, well, I got out of bed the wrong side of bed this morning, so I'm not really interested in it. So, but if you're actually going to be paying, you kind of really consider whether you want to make that purchase or pre-purchase uh, to a product uh, or service. Absolutely. And there's there's all sorts of, you know, marketing initiatives that are about voting and choosing and all of that, but they're very, you know, they're very low commitment levels. So why not cut out the middleman and say, you know, which one of these would you buy and would you pay for? Yeah, right. And, and you get an engagement from people, which is, you know, very, very deep rooted because if they're first to get, you know, new products, then they feel very connected to them and they're going to be great advocates of your brand and they're going to go on and tell their friends and you're building, a, you know, a magic group of people that will stay with you for a long time. So it's, a you know, a natural part of crowdfunding is to build that sort of bunch of advocates that stay with you for the journey, I think, which is really important. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you, you mentioned a minute ago, it's just kind of it being a platform for validating ideas. So how did you, um, how did you kind of get to validate your idea? Well, we've crowdfunded for it for three times. So, um, <laughs> I mean, if we, if we hadn't done that, that would have been, um, been a bit strange. So, we, so our funding, you know, we started off like lots of companies with friends and family sort of support, but as we started to grow, then we we went out to the crowd and we sold some equity, not on our own platform, but on on Crowdcube, and we did that and raised some money quite quickly. Um, good job, really. It would have been a bit embarrassing if we hadn't been able to do that successfully. Yeah. Crowdfunding that. platform doesn't make money yeah. on Crowdcube platform. Yes, so <laughs> yes, it would have been a little embarrassing. But we you know we've been successful three times, so we've done that with the crowd, and we've got two thousand shareholders. So you know that's important. So. I think that's a really important part of what we believe in is, is that, you know, all the staff that have been with us for a little bit have all got shares. You know, we, we made sure they all had some money in their pay packet so they could buy some shares when we did those rounds of funding. Cool. And we have 2,000 shareholders. And, you know, that's important to us because we believe in the power of the crowd. So we, we can't really run away from that. 
And what, how does it work if, if I bought in in the last round? What are you kind of telling people? Are you, are you saying, you know, five years you can cash some money out? Because it always seems like such a gray area in that space where, okay, I, I really love the brand, I love the product, and I'm going to put in a few hundred quid. But you never kind of know when you should be expecting to get stuff out. So how did it work on that final round for you? I think that's really tricky. I think that all of the traditional routes of raising finance has always, you know, always got a box somewhere on the form that says exit strategy and, you know, how are you going to get out and get your money back? I I think the world's changing and it's rapidly changing in the last few months that people want more than just a financial return. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not to say that we're not trying to make money and try and get some money back to our shareholders. That's clearly part of our objective, Mm. but it's more than that. I think that anybody that, wants to buy into crowdfunder hopefully believes in what we're doing that we're doing some good as you talked about at the beginning Mm. Um, people want to come on the journey with us so i'm hoping that it's an investment in normal terms uh you don't need to compromise you know financial gain with doing good but i think there's a new world order of trying to get the balance right between those two things um I think you've been talking to um, Richard at Iceland. I'm sure he talked about the same thing. Yeah. It's a very different world. And I think it's all coming in the direction of, you know, of, of where we're heading. Um, but, you know, at some time, you know, we want to make some money out of it. We want to get some money back. But, you know, you don't have to be a, a charity to do good and you don't have to be a business just to make money. I think, you know, um, purpose is becoming more and more important for everybody. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's really, really cool. Don't have to be a charity to do good don't have to be a business just to make money that's a really nice little kind of bubble that's really cool we um at the beginning of our journey and when we set up i mean i'd been working elsewhere i worked and um spent a lot of time setting up river cottage as you may or may not know but um when when i was at river cottage and working with hugh fernley whittingstall we we set at set the company up there and it was a you know a private limited company but we we decided that we wanted to run it as a more than profit organization. So that was the phrase that I coined okay. some time ago. And um I still I still really like it. I think it's a really good phrase. And it's something that we brought into Crowdfunder from day one to say that, you know, there's got to be something beyond profit, you know, more than profit. It is a little bit of a a side swipe at the not for profits as well. I think sometimes that the phrase not for profit maybe uses an excuse for not being a good organization or a good business. Mm-hmm. Well, so because they've got lack of funds or something, you mean? Well, I think it's probably some reason, you know, again, you know, a little bit of criticism of some, some organizations in the sort of charitable end of the market, you know, if they're doing good, it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean you can do things badly. You've still got to run it well. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk about the difference between charities and business, I think there's a, uh, a central point there where you need to be as good as the best business that you can find. And you need to be as good as the best charity you can find. And I don't think either end of that, that spectrum has got a monopoly on the values. So the more than profit thing for us works really well. And you need to be the best of both of those, don't you? Yeah, I, I think it's when the, the the term not for profit kind of seems like that. There's 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 two points in that, which is like we're not. It almost sounds like you're not interested in profit, but the more profit that you make, the more you can actually put back in, um, or even well, just well, do. Exactly, well, exactly. I mean, you've got a choice. You know, if you, you know, the, look at the situation now. I mean, we, when we come into these difficult times, good, successful, well-run organisations of whatever constitution have to be in a healthy financial position to ride out these storms. Um, 
And if you've got money and you're, you're, you've got a good business model, then you're able to, you know, survive these, these times, but also you can invest in the things that you care about and continue to, you know, to, to frankly, you know, deliver a community service, which is employing people and paying people and getting their mortgage pays and keep them on, you know, and that's, yeah, you know, that's going to be very, very important in the, in the coming months. Yeah, it's, it's it's ever more apparent what the most important things are, and that, and what you've just said are, are basically it, isn't it? It's not. It doesn't have to be so many other crazy goals that you have to suddenly achieve. It's actually just about getting paid, employing a bunch of decent people, and paying the mortgage, and just trying to live a slightly more simple life than what's what happened, you know, a couple of months ago. And I'm I'm excited about that. You know, simple life. I think everybody's going to reevaluate exactly what's important. You know, what purpose is. I think the blurring of individual ambitions and and corporate ambitions, everybody taking a step back and deciding what they, world they want to go back to. I think the one thing that I really hope is is that I know that's being thought about now. I'm hoping in a few months' time, hopefully when things are better, that we don't forget what we all wanted and we go back to the old ways. I hope that all sorts of things change. You know, whether that's purpose, sustainability, the environment, all of those things have got to stay very high on the agenda. Mm. And I think thinking about them more than ever, I really hope we don't forget. Yeah, because I, I think if for a lot of people, everyone will slip straight back into their quick pullover for a Costa drive through or a McDonald's and then this and then that and then a bit of road rage sprinkled here and then a bit of stress because you're going to be late and then don't get to see your kids before they wake up in the morning because you're out commuting. And then before you know it, you're it's it's game over uh and this has definitely taught us that we can do um we can survive we can still do our stuff well a lot of us can obviously there are people that are you know really struggling but there's definitely some good points that we need to hang on to for this for sure De- definitely and you know my central thing is community is about people coming together the crowd doing good stuff you know supporting local organizations supporting local businesses you know making those connections you know, let's hope that we continue to do that. And it's all not thrown away, you know, at the, the wider sort of, you know, material greed that um, we've seen, you know, in, 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 you know, recent years and decades. Yeah. So on a, on a material greed point of view, which you seem to completely and utterly lack, um, and this is due to, due, due to basically loving things like nature and surfing. So what's your, um, how, you guys have got your office. Um, and most people would imagine that something, a business like yours, um, with how many staff have you guys got? About 60 people that we're employing at the moment. Yeah. So you'd imagine a company like yours, if I spoke to you on the phone and, you know, it was kind of like a cold call, I'd say, okay, so where in London are you based? Um, you'd say, well, actually, we're not in London. We are in Newquay. Well, we, we, we like that when that happens. I mean, that's, you know, that's good. That's a good line because we like to point out that you don't have to be in London to do this. Yeah, I mean, there's, the a massive, there's a massive advantage to, to, to that, you know, lots of pluses. I mean, there are some minuses, but, you know, the pluses are hopefully outweigh the minuses. You know, I've always been in this sort of area in tech. You know, everyone expects you to be in London, whether that's, you know, Shoreditch or, you know, Silicon Roundabout or whatever they're called these days. But being mm. outside of that, you know, we can be a much bigger fish. We're still a small company and growing, but, you know, we can be a bigger fish in a, in a small, you know, smaller pond. And that gives us a, an advantage. We can pick up lots of talent that otherwise would have gone missing. Um, we've got a massive advantage lifestyle wise, you know, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about surfing as much as you want to in a minute. but. <laughs> be a great business from somewhere else i mean we're mainly digital so we don't need to be in london 
um, and we can step back, stay out of the chaos, and maybe we get a bit more time to think. Um, and that's quite helpful because we're not in the same race as everybody else. And, you know, we always talk about those moments when we're sitting out back, you know, in front of the office on a Friday night and going, could be on the tube, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, more, we get more time. We get more time to think and reflect. That's got to be good for creativity, hasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the amount of projects that you guys are thrown each day or each week to think about in terms of what are the best kind of perks, rewards, you know, bits and pieces for individual companies that are wanting to sign up to your platform. What a great place to be sitting out back and just kind of thinking, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work as opposed to sniffing someone's armpit and just being like, can you get out of my way? I need to get home and think about this. You can actually think about it, you know, during your lunch break. Well, we, I think we sometimes use surfing as a way to crack difficult problems. Sometimes you have to walk away from a problem, don't you? You're trying to solve something. Yeah. And, you know, you want to try and get away from that. There's nothing better than jumping in a wetsuit and jumping in the sea and going surfing. And then, you know, halfway down to the beach, you probably it probably comes to you. So um, we that happens a lot with us, without a doubt. Um, so it's, it's an advantage to be able to think, to be able to look at it from a different angle. You know, we talk about Cornwall as being on the edge, but being on the edge of things sometimes means you don't get caught in the middle. Um, yeah, that's a great, that's, great point that's that's really good you know i think there's lots of great things happen on the edges you know i guess maybe california's on the edge of something too isn't it you know and they like to think they were out there yeah maybe uh, cornwall's got a little bit of that sort of thinking so yeah totally look back on the center isn't it and to try and look at it in a different way um with with the 80 80 folks that you've got working for you are they all um into the water uh nearly everybody in nuki is (laughs) obviously we've got an office in bridport um it's not too far from the sea so everyone's quite sort of water water enthusiasts up there they get down to uh, west bay quite a bit and we've got yeah. some people in london and, and and scotland so we're quite dispersed but yes pretty much everybody in Newquay is a a surfer or certainly likes the outdoor lifestyle which is which is pretty handy um yeah, we like to see as many people in the office in the sea as possible. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, a few years ago when I came over to your office and I dropped over one of our Jimmy's Ice Coffee fridges and um, kind of feeling incredibly rude because I was standing there just looking out of your office window, just seeing, and it was a beautiful kind of spring, summery day. And people were going, oh, hi. And I was just completely blanking them because I just couldn't believe the view out of your office window. I mean, productivity must be quite hard sometimes when you you've got one eye trying to be on the screen and then you use another eye kind of like a cyborg to just track out what's going on in the surf. I don't don't think it is. I don't think it affects productivity. And I think if it does affect it, I think it affects it in a positive way. That's great. Um, I have to be a little careful about it because there are some non-servers and it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a requirement for a job at at crowdfunder, Hmm. but I I would say that anybody that surfs and in actual fact, anybody that gets outside would would go and do that whenever they want. You know, we don't have any strict rules about it. And they'll make up the time, you know, they'll come back and they'll do it. So on a really brilliant day, if we're lucky, we can surf, you know, before work, during work and after work, you know, a yeah. triple, as we call it. We In the old office, we used to mark them up on the wall. We haven't got that far yet because our new office hasn't really been, <laughs> hasn't been used in anger yet. But, um, you know, they would be a good day and everybody makes up the time. You know, that's the way it's got to work, isn't it? You know, productivity is about getting your job done, not about the hours. And so I think it was a positive rather than negative. Yeah. Uh, And and as I say, I think it's 
the quality of what you do in your time, not just the the amount. So I yeah. think that plenty of things have been solved, you know, in the water. Our favorite stuff, you know, everybody at Crowdfunder who was there will tell you there was a day where we went in the water really early on in Crowdfunder's career. And obviously we're sitting there watching all the numbers on the screen on our various dashboards. And we went, we, you know, it wasn't really happening that day. There wasn't a great deal of traffic. There wasn't a great deal of funding. And we all went surfing because the waves were good. And we came back and we'd had more money than we'd ever seen come through the platform. <laughs> We, we we made it a rule that that was a sign from somewhere I don't know where yeah that we should go more more because it, it starts to work when you're not watching it it's yeah. um it's very much built into our DNA that if you're stuck go surfing and it will be fine and everything will be fine well that's cool I guess there must be some days when on a on a crazy belter light offshore beautiful crystal clear day you can kind of get out and do like a little like mini fist pump or a little just like a little yes kind of I'm, I'm i'm i feel like i'm winning yeah i think we're very lucky yeah we, we we can do it you know we can we can get in the water pretty quickly i mean uh crowdfunder staff the surfers will change into their webs wetsuit do a few calls from the office nobody can see them maybe now we're on video calls we won't get away <laughs> so much but yeah but that'll be a good look i'm to- I'd, I'd be totally stoked to 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 chat with someone in a wetsuit and keep them on the yeah. line until they self-boil. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then leg it down in the water, surf and get back without anybody noticing. So, you know, it's, we're just so close to the water that, um, you know, not many people can do that. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Man, that's that's seriously cool. And uh, for, for surfing, where did you where did you first pick it up? Where was your first kind of – where did you have your first wave? Well, I'm a lot like a lot of people that end up living in Cornwall. I used to come on holiday here every year when I was a kid, you know, sort of 16, 17 years in a row. And I grew up in Leicester, so that's not particularly near the sea. So it was the most exciting thing in the world, my two-week holiday every year. Wow. And I I came down to the south coast in Cornwall, down to Mevagissi Way. wasn't a lot of waves, but we normally got one or two days when I, you know, badgered my dad to, can we go to the north? Can we go to Newquay? Yeah, and did that every year, you know, every year as a kid, got in the water, had two days, got sunstroke, you know, didn't really get on too, too, too well, but just loved every bit of it and, and promised myself that one day in my life I would move down and I would, you know, work from Cornwall. My dad used to tell me that, um, can't earn a living down here. You'll never do it. So it was a bit of a challenge, you know, when your dad. Yeah, right parents tell you you can't do something that becomes a bit of a uh, an objective for the rest of your life so um I wanted to make that so so that that's how I got started but I never really did a lot and um it's a bit of a shame because although I love surfing to bits I'm I'm not anywhere near as good as I should be um I got off to a very slow start and I haven't really picked up really (laughs) quality wise um but the love has always been there from from the earliest days I can remember I'll, I'll have to do an internet high five with you there because I, I kind of feel very much the same. I've, I've got a lot of love for it, but I've, um, I don't really seem to progress much further than just being able to go down the line, and that's about it. Um, but you know, that's th- that makes me smile, so that's cool. But um, I, I think that's the best thing about it. You know, one of the great things is is once you realise you're not going to be Kelly Slater, you can still get so much joy out of it as a as a sport you know, the sort of well-being, you know, the mental health side of things is just fantastic. And it's always been the case, you know, long before those phrases became 
such co- common parlance you know it's yeah. it's it's what surfing's always been about for me you know on all those fantastic days at the beach it's just a way of life i don't think it's a sport in the same way i mean you don't have to be brilliant at it which is a good job in my case but um mm. you can still love it and you get moments with with you know with other fellow surfers of just being there on certain days so even when it gets really big and everybody's you know shredding and it's all way beyond my limits then i still enjoy it because i was there and i was you know participating part, part of the vibe yeah exactly exactly there's and, something you know, that's the best thing about it there's something pretty amazing about the fact that um you know 95 percent of the time that you're surfing you're either paddling or you're just sat out back whereas every other sport you know like kite surfing windsurfing tennis rugby you are you are on it the entire time so when you're actually just sat there waiting for a set to roll by, you do actually have that time to have just to think and just take in your surroundings. I mean, there's some couple of reef breaks near us where you sit there and you kind of go, I would never, ever, ever do this otherwise, apart from the fact that I'm surfing. And you take in the yeah. landscape and you take in the the clouds that fall off the top of the cliffs and and the, the wildlife and stuff. And it's just like, well, this is like a little uh, a sightseeing tour. Oh, and now there's a wave and I need to get a little bit hectic for a second and then go back and have a bit of peace and quiet again. It's, 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 I don't know another sport that is like that. Oh, absolutely. And, and I had a really weird experience. I'm sure you've been talking to people about this, but going up to the wave in Bristol where you have to get back round and have another go and everyone who's good at paddling, not like me, is doing two, two at a time. There's no sitting out back. It's like my sport's been, you know, cut in half. My my sport at my level is sitting out back and chatting and pretending I'm, you know, I'm a really good surfer, you know, and just enjoying the whole sort of feeling of it. But, you know, at the the wave, no time for that. You know, you got to get on it. Fall in Um, line, son. Exactly. (laughs) Keep going. And I was like, you know, my fitness levels, it wasn't really that as enjoyable as it should have been, I don't think. So, yeah, I do think you miss, you know, miss some of that if it becomes too, you know, too serious. It's definitely the sitting there and, and enjoying the nature. Yeah, yeah there's nothing. There's nothing better. I, I did. I did find the wave like super interesting in terms of how kind of everyone just goes single file. There's no snaking. There's no dropping in on anyone. It's all very much like forming an orderly British queue, um, and then and then yeah, tr- trying to get that double. You know how you sneak in a triple at work, just trying to get that double in. I mean, if you take yeah. that double, then you're ruined for the rest of the set. And you come out and you're like, oh, I should have just done one at a time. And then there's a couple of dudes who are going for triples and you're just like, oh, my God. Well, I think I did the double once and I thought that was a mistake. So I didn't do that again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was it was weird to sort of think about the behavior of it. You know, it was a good wave and it was good fun. And, you know, I made a right hash of it and, you know, want to do it again to do a better job. But um, so it was, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. But it, yeah. it, it, there was something different about it you know, in that behavior. I mean, I liked all the organized um, nature of it. I, I don't like that about surfing when you go to a, you know, a different beach and you've got some of the localism and you've got people being grumpy about, you know, how it's working. Of course, you know, respect the, respect the waves, respect the, you know, the locals, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. But you, you get to places where people are taking it far too serious and, and that's not the side of surfing that, you know, that appeals to me at all. Yeah, it's a shame when you get those things, but I guess some people just, you know, that they're either they're just having a bad day and they've got a vent or whatever. There's always there's always a a deeper rooted issue rather than just or get off my wave, you 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 flaming galah kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's quite quite weird when you you know when I first came down to Cornwall and there's people shouting out postcodes to so, say they were locals. It's like <laughs> really, really, <laughs> yeah. Just don't say W one, otherwise you're going to be in 
super trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to get rid of all the amateurs out of the way. But, you know, me being one of the amateurs and still having a local's postcode sort of meant that that doesn't really work very well, does it? Yeah. Haven't been here long then, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, to, can you tell us a little bit about um, River Cottage and how that kind of came about? Uh, yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, sort of going backwards from crowdfunder. I mean, they all join up for me. They're all related. Every, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on one big journey where, where, where I never quite leave, never yeah, had a job. Feels like. One. So um, I, I'd, I'd been doing some other telly stuff, which we may talk about or may not, but um, I came out of telly and I guess I had a bit of an ethical swing as I like to, to, um, to, to sort of describe it so I'd, I'd been working on big brother and we we'd done quite well doing that around the world it, it got to be quite a popular program <laughs> so we we, yeah. we were doing big stuff big stuff online um yeah, so why, why don't we actually rather than kind of bouncing around why don't why don't we go from the go from the beginning so how, how did what, what what was all that about yeah so 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 big brother was the big breakthrough we were all quite young kids really and we got invited to do uh, big brother and and it, big brother had started in holland as people probably know and then it went to i think it, i don't know where it went i always telling the story i can never remember where it went the second second series and then the third third country as it were came to the uk and when they came to the uk it was the first time they decided that they wanted to try and get the public to interact so in the uk they came and found uh me and my my mates who had a little company that was doing a lot of interactive stuff. We'd been building some websites really, really early on before the, that anyone built websites really. And, uh, what was that company called Rob? Called Victoria real, a very strange name. It was, um, the name of our little company and they came and found us and said, you guys have been making some telly and you understand interactivity and you're a bunch of techies. Could you help us with this? We've got this idea that we might want to allow the public to vote on a TV program and could you help us build it? So, so we all built it, not really knowing what we were doing and it became quite big. So there was a moment early on, you're not old enough, Jim, but in 1999, which was the first year of big brother, we had a moment where we took 40% of the entire internet traffic on one single website, which is big brother, which I don't think anyone's ever had done before and certainly no one could do again just and, and that, that's 40 percent of the uk's internet entire traffic. traffic everyone oh my watching, goodness um, me on, online with channel four and the the guardian bit did a headline that said this is the day that the internet's changed forever but in reality it was probably the day that the tv changed forever as well because the more important thing was is that we took a million pounds of on the phone lines from people voting um so therefore TV had to have a good hard look at itself and say, shall we sell television programs or shall we start doing phone-ins? Wow. We all know where, where that led. So we were very lucky to be in the right place at the right time, but we'd stumbled upon, you know, one of the biggest projects in the world. And we had a, we had, I guess, our 15 minutes of fame, you know, the, 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 the team got to speak at the United Nations and we went around the world delivering Big Brother. And eventually we sold the company, Victoria Real, to, to Endemol, the guys that made Big, Big Brother in, in Holland. Uh, and then I moved to Cornwall. And on the, on, <laughs> Just on, like that. On the, way, on the way out of Cornwall, uh, I met Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. And I, I was a massive fan of River Cottage. I, I, I was really quite excited about what Hugh was doing. He'd done his first series, Escape to River Cottage. He'd moved to, 
his house, his holiday home in Dorset, and he was keeping chickens and growing vegetables. And I thought that sounds like good fun. So mm. um, I was obsessed with the show. It's okay for me to say that now. Um, I was a super <laughs> fan, really. And I had lunch with Hugh. I managed to blag my way into a lunch with Hugh. And um, by the end of the lunch, I was, I, I'd agreed that I would set up a company to run River Cottage. So I got started. I think Hugh had a big bag of fan mail, which he hadn't opened. And he handed it to me and said, right, there you go. You're in charge. So we set up a company that sort of day and, and got on with it and, and started running River Cottage, um, which was, which was brilliant with the same people that did Big Brother. So it's the same people, uh, the same team, lots of my mates. And then we've come all the way through to crowdfunder and, you know, River Cottage was, was fantastic because we got to do some things, which, which I guess is what, what I'm most excited about, which is trying to change, you know, people's perception of doing the right thing. So we spent a lot of time um, trying to campaign for people to buy better quality food from, you know, with higher animal welfare. We did a thing called chicken out, which you may or may not remember. We tried to buy shares in Tesco's and try and get everyone to change the way that they bought their chickens. Yeah. Uh, we did um, fish fights. We tried to get uh, end discard which is that stupid yeah, that, practice that, that, was a, away. that was a huge program. I mean, I, I remember the, the uh, I remember the chicken one, and I definitely, I mean, the fish fight was is probably more prominent in my mind. I don't know whether there were more programs on it or it was a bigger production thing or something, but I definitely remember that being a real, a real big thing. It, it, it got much bigger. It got much more attention. It went across Europe as a campaign. Yeah, we, we ultimately changed European law, which was great. I mean, the the the, the argument is not over and you know the solutions are very difficult and it, it's ongoing but we certainly had a big impact and i think we all got very inspired about what we could do if we all came together so you can see the roots from you know big brother and the public through the crowd that changed european laws into crowdfunder so it was a a really steady journey you know between river cottage um onto crowdfunder and and we wanted to do more of it. You know, it was really exciting to get people together and say, if we all come together, we can, we, you know, we can change things, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and we did waste, you know, we did all sorts of stuff. Um, but it's all the same, really. You know, it's the same team, same people, same values. And crowdfunder just gives us another opportunity. You know, all the people that were trying to come together in the River Cottage community and saying, we want to put up a wind turbine in our village or we want to start, start a community cafe or we want to start a jam company. They were all looking for money. Mm. And we thought, well, we could build a website to help them do that. We'd seen Kickstarter, the US crowdfunding site, and um, they were doing some cool stuff, you know, lots of making of gadgets and widgets and cool tech and creative stuff. And we yeah. thought, well, maybe we could do a UK version of that, but maybe we could do something with a bit more purpose that might change the world a little bit. So um, that's what we did. And um, that's how Crowdfunder started. And, you know, we're, and we're still very close to River Cottage and we're still involved, you know, with trying to help, you know, foodies all the time. There's more food and drink projects on, on Crowdfunder than, than most sectors. So it's um, it's been one story, really, which is, I, I, which is I, great. I, I noticed... Um... I think Hugh put put something up on Twitter actually even before the coronavirus happened that he had to, he's having to close uh, the main uh, River Cottage site. Is that correct? Um, the main the main site the the farm um, which is just outside Axminster is is still going. Yeah. Um, 
most of the staff, like all hospitality, are furloughed right now. Yeah. Um, but it's still going. Uh, uh, like all of the restaurant sector, um, there's been a couple of closures of restaurants. Yeah. So it's it's really hard. Yeah. Well, God, knows, God knows what's in store for them now. You know, it's very difficult. Um, I'm still a shareholder there and I'm in touch with them. I've spoken to the chief exec twice this week, you know, and everybody's trying to find out what, what the new world's going to look like, but it's, it's really very hard, but the, but you know, river cottage goes, you know, it goes on and, and continues and it's doing an amazing job, you know, long, long since I've been operational there. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. And fingers crossed for, for everyone in that. I really hope that everyone can pull through and be amazing if it works. Now on, um, on crowdfunder, what was your, what was the first project that, that came through and successfully raised that you were just like, yes. Well, there's one project that started it off because we, I mean, we, we were doing, still doing TV with river cottage stuff. And we set crowdfunder up initially to say, Hey, look, we're going to get loads of people making videos and telling us great stories and we can make some TV programs out, out of it. So we, we weren't sure that it was a business. We thought it was a brilliant idea, but not a business. And the first project was called the bicycle Academy. And it's a great project and it's a great project to this day. And, and we still do these sort of things, which is there was uh, a guy who was um, teaching people to weld and to make bikes. So you came into a workshop, you would make a bike for yourself and you would learn how to weld and how to repair bikes. And you'd make a second one. One of them went off to people that needed a bike. So mm-hmm. off to Africa and one of them you took home. Um, so a really brilliant social enterprise in all senses of the word. Yeah. And, um, they needed 40,000 pounds to, to get some more equipment for the workshop. And they did that in six days. So we, we, we cheated a little bit. We used some of the river cottage audience, but we knew that people would be inclined to support it. And we said, wow, that was easy. Let's do some more of this. And it just went from one to two to 10 to a hundred to 250,000 now. So, um, you know, it's just one after another. They, they, you know, good projects breed good projects. Yeah. So, and, that, that, and that's 250,000 projects that you guys have done. Come through the platform, yes. You know, not all successful, but um, all come come through the platform. So, you know, at the moment we're getting four, 500 a day at peak. Um, so it's pretty mental. How do you, I mean, how do you vet them? I mean, surely are there any scammers that come through? Um, well, we, the, the first answer to the question is we don't vet them. The, the, the crowd vets them. There's a certain amount of checks and balance balances to make sure nobody can come in and raise money and disappear off with it. That, that, that doesn't happen. Um, there, there's been plenty of people trying to scam it as you, as you imagine, but you, your money, you, you come in and you raise money. It's held by a third party. It's held by the payment systems. There's checks and balances against that. And then you draw it down. So there's a delay between you coming in and raising money and, and being able to take it out. Yeah. And there's lots of, you know, knowing your customer and anti-money laundering and various other checks and balances to make sure that people can't disappear with the money. But but one thing that's really important is, is that crowdfunding projects don't get supported unless they've got friends and family supporting them. So... um people are pretty good at working out whether this is, this is somebody trying to rip somebody off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in the power of the crowd spotting a wrong. And that's great. It just doesn't, it doesn't really happen. It really doesn't. And we can get very serious about the paperwork if we need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have various different methods to do that. But in, in all reality, people don't get away with it. If you see a project that starts on crowdfunder and it's, you know, in, 
the Middle East and it's a solar panel farm and big lumps of £20,000 pledges are coming in <laughs> every 20 seconds. It's pretty yeah. obvious that that's yeah. not, not real. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite fun. <laughs> so we monitor it very carefully, but we don't, we don't have a problem. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's pretty self-regulating, which is pretty good. And if, if they don't reach their 100%, does that mean that no one gets it or would they get up to the percentage that they've kind of got to? No, we have we have two models. So you can come in and you can set a target and say, I need to raise £10,000. And if I don't get there, it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. I guess that's pure crowdfunding. I'm a big fan of that because it tends to really drive people. Mm-hmm. And in some circumstances, if you need £10,000 to do your project, then you need £10,000. There's no point in getting five. Mm-hmm. But there are other occasions where people come in and set you know, um, a flexible funding model where they can, whatever they raise, they can keep particularly, you know, charities, for instance, they might come in and, and run it for a while and they yeah. take whatever they raise. So that, you know, there's, there's both of those models that we, that we operate. And have you had a, the most out of the 250,000 projects, which is just insane and well done to you for that, uh, which was the most for you, the most standout, uh, not just for, for kind of how much they've raised, but in terms of an insane project, I mean, it could even be the first one bicycle Academy, perhaps. You know, it's the hardest question I get asked all the time. They always say, what do you, what's your favorite? And so I, I duck out of it by saying probably the next one, you know, it's, <laughs> it's what's going to come in tomorrow or this afternoon. Yeah. It's really exciting when you go on there and, you know, we, we don't really know what's coming. So, you know, we've seen all sorts of things come through. So you would see, you know, because of Brewdog particularly, you'd see craft beer and then the next day there'd be 30 craft beer you know, projects on the site. And then you see something else and, you know, up until recently, zero waste shops, which are a really great idea. We saw lots and lots of those coming. So somebody would start one and then lots of them. And I particularly like those trends. Yeah. You see libraries that are going to get sold off by local authorities being taken over and and turned into library of things, you know, Mm -hmm. borrow, don't buy. And, you know, those sort of concepts. And I just love the ideas, the ingenuity. So if you're an entrepreneur, it's very hard, as as you'll know, Jim. People always come up with to you with ideas, and one of the great thing about you know being part of a crowdfunding platform is I can say to people, "Don't tell me your idea. Put it on crowdfunding, and we'll find out whether it's any good." Yeah, you know, when you get forty percent, let's have a conversation. <laughs> so what I like about it most is what's coming in next, and about what people want to support. Yeah, and it's the ones that surprise you that that, that are really good. As, as a surfer it would be really remiss of me not to say the wave because we crowdfunded that, you know, and that was one of the big things. It was one of the biggest projects we did early on where we raised, you know, over 200,000 pounds, which is a small amount of what it costs to build the wave. Yeah. But it was really significant because it said we were selling tickets for something that didn't exist and it proved and validated the model to say, if we will build it, they will come. You know, and yeah. that is so perfect. You know, we talked about validation a minute ago. Yeah. That is what it's all about. And that for me is really exciting to say, look, you know, is Nick mad or or, or, or is it a good idea? Yeah. And, and surfers put their money where their mouth is and had to wait, you know, a fairly long time. But to go up there and then surf the wave that we were a small part of is what I think it's all about. And, uh, you know, a bit of a moonshot. But but very very proud of that as a surfer, and I'd like to do a lot more, you know, surfing projects. Of course, we're a little biased towards surfing. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's totally understandable because it's a good thing. Oh man, that's that's so exciting. And what happens with you 
you know, what's what's have, have you always got your eye on you know something else? Are you, what's what does the future hold for you, and what does the future hold for for crowdfunder? No, it's quite. That's another really great thing about it. You know, is I've always been twitchy. I think that might be the right word. Again, yeah, that's a, a good I point. I get. I, I guess it's an entrepreneurial sort of trait, isn't it? Is, is that you know? Again, I've never had a job. Always done my own stuff. Too many ideas, you know. Trying to lock onto the right stuff. It's that shaky but, leg at the table, isn't it? That just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Ever... You know, going into restaurants, counting the covers, thinking I could do this better. You know, everywhere I go, you know, driving everyone insane, saying I could do this better. You know, you know, my friends would always say that about me. God, Rob thinks he can do it better. But but crowdfunder has stopped me doing that as much because I get a lot of pleasure out of trying to help other people on their journey. Yeah. And it's quite nice to see people do it much better than me. So that's really good. So it does satisfy that quite a lot. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm, less, I'm less twitchy, you know, I like to get involved in some projects, but I can pick those, you know, from the 400 or so that come in, you know, at the moment I, I can see the good ones mm. and I can get involved as much as I want to. So I, I can do that, you know, and, and again, not from an investment point of view, I'm not, that's not my thing. You know, it's not about trying to find some winners to make a fortune. It's about, the people that you come across, the passion, the mm -hmm. excitement, and about people disrupting all sorts of industries and doing things in a different way and getting to meet amazing people. So, you know, what a dream job for an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's that's super cool kind of be able to funnel and filter all of those kind of niggles and you can kind of see them all and be part of them all in one way or another, but without having to take ownership of every single one of them and then becoming incredibly stressed and not understand exactly what's going on all the time. Yeah, and I guess the opposite side is, um, you know, I do occasionally dream of that moment where you can get single subject and, you know, not think about all those things and go, I just want to press olives, <laughs> you know, or yeah. I want to grow mushrooms, you know, in the, in a dark room and just focus on it and be an expert on mushroom compost or yeah. something. You know, yeah. I don't get the, the pleasure of a single subject, but we're all never, we're never happy, are we, all of us? You know, we've always got to try and find that balance. There's that other little bit. Yeah, and, and kind of just kind of getting towards the end of this. Um, how, do, you, do, you, do you think your balance is, is kind of there with regards to like being able to get in the water and, um, you know, family time and all that kind of stuff? Uh, well, surfing definitely helps. I mean, I, I did really well in March. I got in the, in the water every day till the 26th. Until oh, sick. I, I felt like it was inappropriate after the new restrictions. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that really helps if you get your daily surfing and if you get in the water, whether it's, you know, flat or not, you know, just to get in the water. Yeah. Really helps with that sort of balance. I, we've got a long way to go with crowdfunder. We're, we're, you know, we're still relatively small company. We might be, you know, one of the biggest in the UK and we've done really well so far, but you know, we're, we're opening up international versions of the platform. You know, we're super ambitious um, and we're really excited about what, what can happen in the future. So there's a long, long way to go yet. Mm. Did, did, um, would that not, would that not layer kind of extra bits of stress perhaps, or are you kind of, is it so well organized that expansion and stuff has been so well thought out that it's actually going to be okay. And the good that comes out of it is actually outweighs the, the extra layers of stress. I, I, I wouldn't be so, um, rude or, or, or misguided to say that it's so well organized that there won't be any stress there will be stress but I think that you know we've we've been around the team have been around for long enough there's plenty of people with experience in the team that you know know what it's like you know to grow a, a fast growing company mm. and um I, I, I hopefully I guess maybe 
third time round. If you know you go from you know Victoria Hill from River Cottage through to Crowdfunder, then I've hit quite a lot of the landmines. You know, stood on them. Yeah, and maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I won't stand on quite so many this time round. But but it's the it's the learning. It's the mistakes. They're the bits that keep you fresh, aren't they? You know, I always like going back to the beginning. I don't, I I think that if I ended up with something that was really hugely successful, enormous and and running smoothly, then I would be straight back to the ground floor and starting something fresh with, you know, yeah. four four people in a in a garage and saying, let's go again. Yeah. Because that's the that's itch. the best that's yeah. the best thing in the world, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we were just recounting you know, that you know. on a on a Zoom call the other day. We were just talking about not they definitely weren't the good old days, but they were the itchy, scratchy, just kind of like super gritty where your whole life depended on it just making it work and um you know that, that doesn't ha- it's not like that at all by in, at the moment because it's so much more kind of i don't know strategic and a little bit more formal which is something i've actually quite enjoyed because it's just taken the stress and and complete hectic out of it out of it but i do yeah th- those those beginning times like you say for four people in a garage going right let's begin is there's, there's nothing like that and that's that's just amazing uh, and I think the challenge is to try and create that environment, you know, is to try and get that atmosphere again and say, how do you do that? I mean, we've got, we've been able to do that during this crisis because all rules are out the window. It's like whatever comes in, you know, pick up the phone and what's next. And so I think that's really healthy. And you've got to create small teams within a bigger team and you've got to get everyone motivated. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's the challenge, but but that's the challenge that I relish and I'm looking forward to the next bit as much as anything. You know, I'm much more interested in tomorrow than I am yesterday. Yeah, that's well, that's, that's the best way of doing it. As we as we come to round off this podcast, Rob, thanks so much for your time. We've got three or oh, two questions. One is your three favourite surf spots. Uh, and then the last question is your favourite unridden spot that you want to ride despite ability. Despite ability, <laughs> um, I think that has to apply to all of mine. All, all of mine, in my case. Well, Corn, Cornish surf spots. Um, I had an amazing surf down at the Bluff, you know, um, Grithian Way. Okay, uh, early, lovely. Early, earlier in the year, it was absolutely phenomenal. And the river, the river mouth, and then looking over to St Ives. Just the beauty of that spot, yeah. You know, the right tide was absolutely amazing, and it's more beauty than beauty than the wave. So I'm going to put a Cornish one in there. Yeah. Last last year, I was incredibly lucky. I got to go to um, Trinidad and Tobago. It was a sort of work trip. I wangled a conversation to go and speak to them about crowdfunding to the government, <laughs> and I, I did I did a bit of windsurfing. I'm a slightly better windsurfer, but only slightly. So I did a bit of windsurfing at Pigeon Point, for those who know it. Right. And then round the corner is Mount Irvin. And I'd been told that that was a good surf spot, but I was having such fun windsurfing that I didn't go there till the last day, which was a mistake. And I rode round on a bike from Pigeon Point. And as I came over the hill and down into the bay, there is a perfect right-hand point break. Oh, wow. Really, Really small, you know, my sort of size, very shallow water, but beautiful. And I had an amazing surf there. So I'll be going back there. Um, the locals were really friendly. I was really nervous because you turn up one of those spots. It looks perfect. You don't want to make a mess of it. Yeah. And I went, you know, I went out and they were all 
coaching me and, you know, too much information, you know, nervous, I was going to make a mess of it. And the first wave I did. Okay. You know, I, I, I looked like I was better surfer than I really am. Oh mate, that's and, great. That's so exciting. And, and that, that, that's great. So that's got to be up, up there. Did I have to do three? Oh, you don't have to. Three's the three's the magic number, but two's great if they if they sit. sit. I, I think those two recently, because again, you know, recent ones are great, and so it's all about the future. And you said about where I'd like like, like to surf. Um, where would I like to surf? Well, fl- any <laughs> anywhere where it's beautiful. You know, I think every day in the water, every day in the water is a good is a good day. Yeah, every is a good day. So. With with friends post the crisis, sitting out back, not the waves, but maybe sitting out back and maybe the beer on the beach afterwards. Yeah, making myself sound much better than I really was when I was in the water. How about that? <laughs> that sounds perfect, and I, I'm actually kind of yeah. That sounds I'm, I'm kind of there already. Um, that sounds that sounds amazing, Rob. Thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure to chat to you and and just congratulations on everything you've done and you've you've made you've made what you want to do for you uh, and it's and it's brought in a bunch of other amazing people along with you and you've created something awesome for you know just a casual 250,000 little businesses so a massive round of applause from one hand well, so thank you thank you very much and uh well, let's see you on the beach at Crowdfunder headquarters um, on the other side. Look forward to it, Jim. That sounds super cool. Cheers for your time. See you later. Thank you very much.